News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Macias Show. Today is the first day of early voting. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be the second day of early voting or the third or the fourth, depending on when in the week you consume the Luke Macias Show. But here's the reality. The last week we have seen nationwide a pretty significant polling shift towards Republicans, okay? And this is encouraging in many ways. Um, and we're going to break down just a little bit of that for y'all here as we enter into the final stretch. So first and foremost, one of the things to remember is that things were looking really good for Republicans in the first half of the year. And then there was the Dobbs decision. And what Dobbs did is that it energized significantly the left base. And it's not that it didn't energize people on the right, people like myself who are very encouraged that unborn human life is more protected today than it has been since the 70s in the United States of America. That's a huge encouragement. Here's the problem. I was already motivated. And you were probably already motivated. And so uh, unless you're somebody who's left of center that happens to enjoy listening to this podcast, in which case we love you um, and uh, appreciate your willingness to listen to this. But those of us right of center were already motivated. And so it didn't make us more motivated. We were already coming out. But the Democrats did see a surge in their momentum and excitement on their side, which their side was not excited. It's very hard to be the party led by Joe Biden and to be excited about coming out to vote. And that's just a problem that Democrats should have foreseen when they elected him as their nominee. But we're heading into a midterm already set to be against Democrats. The Dobbs decision happens and that starts to tighten the polling a little bit. So Republicans are still clearly going to win. Uh, in the later part of the summer, it was probably less anticipated that Republicans would win the Senate. A lot of people saw a scenario in which Democrats held a 50-50 split with maybe us trading Nevada and Pennsylvania. But here's what the last several weeks has brought about. And this is something that I think Trafalgar was one of the uh, best polling firms. One, they're probably one of the most respected polling firms in the nation, especially for Republicans, but even people who just see a pollster that really gets it right often, um, is that they pointed out that the undecided voters throughout the later half of the summer fundamentally didn't like the Democrat Party. And that that was a problem that Democrats, if they did not fix, would ultimately see the polling move against them in the fourth quarter. Now, this is not done. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the next two weeks. And two weeks is a long time in election speak. The amount of money spent in the last two weeks of an election, since I've run a lot of campaigns, I can tell you, the amount of money spent in the last two weeks of an election is more than what was spent in January through August of this year on some of these campaigns. If you're running a congressional race, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, often those entire budgets for nine months are spent in the last two weeks. So there's a lot of movement that still could happen. But the undecided number is ticking down. In the early part of the summer, you have still 15% sometimes undecided in some of these polls. And now you're getting into the single digits where there's 6, 7, 8% undecided. And what's happening is that 
the entire time during that summer, when you looked at those voters who weren't voting for the Republican for Congress or the Republican for Attorney General, the Republican for Lieutenant Governor across the nation and in Texas, if you ask them about issues, they fundamentally didn't trust the Democrat Party. They didn't trust them on public safety issues. They didn't trust them on guns. They didn't trust them on education. They don't trust them with the budget. They don't trust them in general cultural issues. They don't trust them on the foreign affairs side. They don't trust them on the border. I mean, honestly, even the abortion issue is a 50-50 in the gun issue. So these are the two issues the Democrats are like, oh, we're, we're with the, the middle of the road moderates on this issue of gun control, of uh, they're not for a ban on abortion. But here's the problem. Those voters in the middle are split 50-50. Half of them will tell you, and, and, and when I say split 50-50, here's the way the questions are often asked in these polls. Uh, who do you, which of the parties do you trust when it comes to gun policy? Which of the parties do you trust when it comes to abortion policy? Now, what does that mean? It means that independent voters, for the most part, they don't want a ban on all abortions. You just have to understand that. Be comfortable with that as the reality. And here's the truth. They don't want abortion up until the moment before birth. So you ask them, which of these two camps do you trust more? And they're going, well, I'd really like less abortions. And I think if I had to pick one of the sides, I'd go with the side that wants to end abortion. And then some of them go, well, I don't like abortion up until birth, but I'm so fundamentally committed to this idea. Or maybe, unfortunately, I have aborted a child. Maybe there's some guilt and shame associated with that. And so I'm going to side on the left side on this issue. But fundamentally, these voters as a whole trust Republicans more than Democrats in this election cycle. And what it looks like is that in the final chapter, the fourth quarter, when they all have to pick a team to cast a vote for, they're coming on the side of the Republican Party. So the last two weeks we have seen this both nationwide, all of a sudden states like Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania are looking way better when it comes to Republicans. Even New Hampshire is looking very good as a potential for Republicans to win a United States Senate seat. If all of those fell, you would have a 54-seat majority, Republican majority in the Senate. And then on the same side, you come to Texas. Now, before I go statewide, I want to talk about uh, Myra Flores, who won a special election in a more Republican seat, which caused a lot of waves. But now she is in a district uh, against Vicente Gonzalez, which Joe Biden won by, I think, over 13 points, maybe even over 15 percentage points. And there are three competitive congressional districts in South Texas. And uh, Democrats actually stopped spending in the Monica De La Cruz seat. Monica De La Cruz is running in a district, a newly created congressional district, which Trump won by two percentage points. And that is so Republican that Democrats have pulled out. They're like, there's no way we're going to win this seat. And they're still spending. But Myra Flores uh, on the Cook Political Report is now in a district, even though Joe Biden won this district by over 13 or 15 percentage points. They believe that it leans Republican. It is likely that Myra Flores wins. That is how big of a shift you're seeing in South Texas towards the Republican Party. And that is a shift that was started by Donald Trump's very strong stance on the border. His willingness to go down and call the cartels what they are, terrorists, and say, we are going to go after, we are going to end 
the invasion. We are going to put people back in Mexico. We're going to stop the flow of illegals coming into this country. That position, which is opposed by white, upper middle class, New York Times subscribing, masters, educated white women and men, is appreciated by Hispanics. The thing that they would turn around and say, this makes the Republican Party's racist, well, racist against two, Latinos, Hispanics, or Latinx. That's what my friends call the Latinx, Latinx. They go, well, what about those people? Yeah, they don't think it's racist. In fact, they'll prove to you that they don't think it's racist because they're moving more Republican than any other group of voters in the United States. So clearly they don't think that closing the border and actually having a border means you're racist. By the way, if you don't have a sealed border, you don't have a border. If I told you I, ha I have a roof, well, every time it rains, a bunch of water comes in. Well, I have a roof. Well, I don't, I don't even know if what you have is a roof. I think what you have is like a, a light covering. Just because you have something over, if it's completely open, I, I don't know. Or this is a really bad roof. We could even have a like philosophical discussion. Is it a roof if it's not actually doing what a roof's supposed to do? And the same can be said for a border. So Myra Flores is in a district that was handily won by Joe Biden. And actually, at this moment in time, the assumption is that she actually is in a great position to win that seat. Now, the next two weeks are going to be really pivotal, 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 really pivotal. And I hope um, that each and every one of y'all is, is spending whatever time you're going to spend doing whatever you want to do, um, applying it. You know, we're once we cross the finish line, it's done. So what does this mean for statewide, these shifts that are happening? Okay. So we have had three polls that have come out in the last week that have shown the nationwide shift happening also in Texas. So through all of the summer, let's say Greg Abbott was consistently at like five points up. Dan Patrick, four. Ken Paxton, two. We finally see a lot of these voters breaking Republican, which is where under the underlying momentum sh said they were going to move, but they're starting to actually move because they have to actually vote. So the UT, University of Texas and Texas Politics Project released the highest estimate, which was that Greg Abbott was up nine, Dan Patrick was up 15, and Ken Paxton was up 14. Um, that really hurt Democrats. In fact, Beto O'Rourke and Wendy Davis and all these statewide Democrats released their own poll, this like Democrat-leaning pollster, and they called him an A-rated pollster, and it's like this guy's not A-rated. He's a Democrat pollster who puts out polls that are often wrong and highly inaccurate and very pro-Democrat to help y'all raise money and convince people you're still within striking distance. But this Democrat pollster released this poll that said Beto's within three points. The problem was uh, Spectrum Siena released their own poll just this morning, and they had Abbott up nine, Patrick up eight, Paxton up six. Emerson released a poll the same day, which was this morning, Monday, that had Abbott up 10, Patrick and Paxton up five. And there's various different things within each and every one of these models, but you're consistently seeing that as the shift happens, there is a good chance that Abbott 
Abbott is definitely within a possibility of winning by double digits over Beto. And Patrick and Paxton will likely be a little under that. The UT Texas politics one was the only one that had Paxton and Patrick over. I think this is going to be really interesting to see if they actually perform better um, in the rural areas. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that all shakes up. But these shifts are real that are happening. And if the next two weeks continues, we should be highly encouraged. I will tell you, um, kind of going back to one of our earlier episodes, as I as I enter the last two weeks of the election, I'm I start to move on to 2023 already. And um, and so and this is politics in general, right? You're kind of trying to always focus on the thing right in front of you and also focus on things that are coming up. And so I look ahead and see um, still the upcoming battle and the looming battle of the session. We have a lot of Republicans in the Texas House who are still trying to kind of uh, signal a move to the middle. We've had a number of other candidates and officials talk about the need to push rape and incest exceptions, um, a, a belief that we should have a policy that punishes children who are the product of rape for the sins of their father. And that's really uh, a disturbing trend. It is something that we should avoid moving society in the direction of at all costs. We shouldn't try to as little we should always avoid segmenting people because of actions that somebody else committed right saying you are less than this person why uh well cuz your dad is a rapist i mean if you had that conversation in any other context you'd think that's crazy but yet a lot of republicans are starting to say well i guess Maybe we should let these kids get killed. The 2023 session is shaping up to be a battle against Dan Patrick and Dade Phelan. I've said that many times, and I will just remind you, that is what it is set up to be. And it's going to be very interesting to see what Abbott's takeaway from this election season is. Here's what is really important. I will just tell you, there are a couple people out there that I... um especially in the Texas House. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know how many moderates we want to win in November. And here's why. The Texas House does something different that I do not see in other legislative bodies. Um, they basically take the most moderate district that they have. In this case, it's like Morgan Meyer out of Highland Park. But they'll pick these districts where Joe Biden wins and the Republicans will barely win by a couple percentage points. And then throughout the entire legislative session, they will not want to move any policy that these middle of the road moderate districts would not support. And they'll say, well, Morgan Myers district will not like this. Or Jamie Jolly is this lady running in Plano now. And I promise you, you're going to hear this through the session. Well, look, I would love to ban drag shows, but that drag show was in Jamie Jolly's district and, you know, her people are going to be really ticked. And that is a tough seat for us to hold. We're probably going to lose that to a Democrat if we pass this drag show bill. Hey, I would love to deal with this education issue, but you have to understand Morgan Myers district is this. Now, I'm not saying Morgan Myers should lose, but I will say that 
if Republicans don't get over the fact that pushing your agenda is still worth doing regardless of how vulnerable that makes people in the middle of the road, then they're going to have a tough time this session. I will say this too. Morgan Meyer is actually set up to get reelected handily, even though we passed constitutional carry and a basic ban on abortion in a district. He is going to get reelected in a district that Biden won handily and is all these upper middle class white voters. So one of the takeaways, and I'll probably do an episode on this between November and the end of the year, is the fact that the Morgan Meyer phenomenon is going to be put to bed after this cycle. So that the Texas, we have to, we have to basically tear down all these excuses Republicans and the Republican caucus in the Texas House give us for not passing Republican priorities. That's what we have to do. We have to take those away from them and show them, no, this is all just excuses. They're all excuses. We have real policy to pass. Let's not forget. Let's make it happen. We're going to close out today with a little clip from Ted Cruz, who was just on The View. I'm sure some of you are not daily consumers of The View. Neither am I. But when somebody goes on, I usually get around to watching it if I, I want to see how this person interacts with those hosts. Ted Cruz went on. I think he did a great job calling out some of the hypocrisy of these hosts uh, who act like Republicans are these crazy people that deny elections while, you know, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams, they basically have their Democrat Party is led by people who every time they lose basically say this is an illegitimate stolen election. And so uh, I'm going to play this clip for you because, look, I've criticized different officials when they do different things. I do that all the time. But when they go out and do the right thing, they push the right issue. They talk about the right narrative. I do think it's worth pointing out and thanking them for doing that. So this is my thank you to Ted Cruz for standing up on this issue uh, on The View and uh, being willing to speak truth to a liberal media. Uh, with that, I'm going to play this clip. Thank you for listening. God bless you and God bless Texas. Try to say the election was fair and square and legitimate. You know who y'all don't do that to? You don't do it to Hillary Clinton, who stood up and said Trump but stole the election. You don't try to kill my former Abrams, who said boss. who said that the election was stolen. They sat here yes, and said it was illegitimate, right. and, and, it and was. you guys were fine with it. Okay, so, so, so it's illegitimate did, did when Republicans she, did, win, the, but not when Democrats. Win. No, win. you know here's the thing: we may not like when Republicans win, but we don't go and we don't storm. We don't try to change. But did I miss an entire year of Antifa riots where cities across this country were burning and, and police cars well, were being yeah, firebombed? You Your did. position is the left doesn't engage in violence, really? No, they wanted to nuke our friend Mike Pence. We like, didn't how do we do, make you sense just of that? accused us of doing something we didn't do. You said Hillary Clinton didn't say whatever she didn't say. I'm saying to you, listen. And she said we it's sitting here, and you we were fine come, with her saying it was illegitimate come, yes, for, for Republicans her it was. to win. She called so Donald Trump the next opinion. morning, and yeah. she conceded the election, Ted. Okay. Who took the Look. call? As did Stacey Abrams. All right. Sonny she, has she, she sat there while, okay. while Donald Trump Hillary was getting Clinton sworn in. Hillary Clinton says Trump is an illegitimate Too president. Hillary Clinton right. says the yes. election is stolen from you. Hillary Clinton in 2002. George W. Bush was oh, selected, not elected. Work. Joe Biden, <laughs> Al Gore was was elected president. So Joe Biden yeah. claims George W. Bush. 
Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless Texas. Texas.